Well, the word of hope for the world today is, is not about being perfect. The word of hope is about humility. And Jesus had a few things to say about it. The following happened at a dinner party. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. And when he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. Well, legend has it that um, there was a radio conversation one night between a U.S. Navy captain and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland. Newfoundland? Newfoundland? And the Canadians uh, see the lights and they send out a radio warning and say, please divert your course 15 degrees south to avoid a collision. And the Americans radio back, we recommend you divert your course 15 degrees north to avoid collision. Canadians came back negative. You must divert your course 15 degrees south immediately. The Americans came back. This is the captain of a U.S. naval aircraft carrier. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and other support vessels. I'm captain in the U.S. Navy. Therefore, divert your course 15 degrees north or face the consequences. Canadian came back and said, I'm a lighthouse, your call. (laughs) Sometimes it takes a lighthouse to humble you. Lighthouses come in different shapes and sizes for us. A crisis in your life Now, that can be a lighthouse, something that really 
gets you in touch with who you are and who you're not, your limitations. Something comes along unexpected and makes you aware of who you are. We're humbled by our losses. We're humbled by our illnesses, by our failures, by our limitations. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be humbled, is it? It's just painful. Years ago, I started uh, going to the gym, and I was about 45 years old. I figured it was about time. And I'd played uh, sports in school, so I figured I knew my way around the gym. I wasn't going to ask for any help uh, on the equipment. That's a guy thing. You don't ever tell anybody you're lost or you don't know what you're doing. And so I went over to free weights. They're pretty easy. I lifted those, and then I got uh, on a bike. I figured I knew how to do that. And then I went over to the chest fly machine. And it looked easy enough. I checked the weight on it and sat down and I was facing a a line of young, attractive women all on spin bikes facing me. And a chest fly machine has, uh, you know, these uh, arms that come down with pads on them. And you push in and you push out and push in. You build up your pecs and all that. So there's a little bit of pressure with all these young women um, just spinning and watching me. Or at least I thought they were. And so I put my arms up on the pads and I got ready to go and I go, and it did not budge. I mean, one inch. And I thought, wow, I got a little bit too much weight on this thing. So I reached down and I adjusted the weight and loosened it up. It's this time, you know, we're going to get it. Get my arms on the pad and I go, Phwah! no go. So I went down and took more weight off. I thought, this is ridiculous. I can't even move this thing. And I put it on, on almost no weight. And before I got ready to go, one of the young women on the bike looked at me and motioned. And she said, turn around. <laughs> Oh, man, I was so, I I just flushed, you know, and I looked at her and went, (laughs) yeah, I knew that, but this isn't over yet. I wish, I wish it was because I I turned around and um, I put my arms on the pads, but I did not add any more weight. And not wanting to get stuck again, I slammed those things together and almost threw my entire upper body out of joint. And I I was ricketed by this thing. And so I just decided I'm going to slither out of this gym, (laughs) which I did do. And I didn't go back for eight more years. took me a long time to get over that. (laughs) Lighthouses come in all kinds of packages. (laughs) 
And they're, they're not necessarily a bad thing to be humbled, as I was in the gym, but it, it's usually painful to be humbled. Jesus was somewhat of a lighthouse, wasn't he? Um, it'd be just like him to go to a dinner party um, as we went to a beautiful party on uh, this past week, on Thursday evening. And uh, it would be like Jesus to be there in your home and notice people jockeying for the seats of honor and then say something about it. Not only that, but sort of um, chapped the host for only inviting the upper echelons and not inviting more people. This was kind of Jesus, the lighthouse, the one who humbles us. And he tells this little story while the people are pulling their chairs out, getting ready to sit down. And he says, um, you know, when you're invited to a wedding banquet, don't sit at the place of honor. And you can almost see them going, Duh, standing back up. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited. In other words, you might not be the most important person in the room. But when you're invited, go sit at the lowest. Fred Craddock writes about this passage and he says, This entire message becomes a cartoon if there is a mad competitive rush for the lowest seats with ears cocked towards the host waiting to be called up to the top. And that's not true humility, is it? John Baldoni, an executive coach and educator, writes, Humility is not taught in management courses or in many leadership courses. Organizations want their leaders to be visionary, authoritative, capable, and motivational. Nowhere does it say anything about being humble. But on the other hand, Jim Collins wrote Good to Great, why some companies make the leap and others don't. And he found this, that CEOs who took their companies from good companies to great companies were leaders who, quote, embodied a paradoxical mix of personal humility in the CEO and professional will. In other words, while they were relentless in their vision for that business, they were committed to their personal relationships and saw themselves as a part of the team. Humility. About 15 years ago, uh, Catherine and I had a rare privilege. We had a two-hour private meeting with Dr. Billy Graham. Can you imagine that? His sister, uh, Jean, and her husband, Leighton Ford, were members of our church in Charlotte. And during this two-hour visit with just Catherine and Billy Graham and, and me, um, he made some powerful comments. And one of the things he said I've never forgotten was that he said, Steve, I actually think the job that you pastors have is more difficult than my job was. And I, I was blown away by that. And I said, well, well, with all due respect, Dr. Graham, you preach to more people than Jesus did in his day. 
How in the world could you think that the job of the pastor, the person you're looking for in your search and in my ministry that I've had, how could you possibly think that job is more difficult than yours? And here's what he said. He said, well, we worked hard, don't get me wrong. Uh, But we would come into a town and conduct our crusades and then we would leave. And you pastors stay. So you're there with your congregation through their times of joy, but also in their times of sorrow. You stay for their deaths and their grief and their illnesses and their divorces and their failures in life to preach the gospel. And he said, I just have always felt like that your positions, your jobs, your tasks were harder than what we were doing. Well, if you're ever in Charlotte sometime, you've got to go out to the Billy Graham Library. It's an incredible um, journey of his story through life. And very, very powerful. And when you go through that library, I want you to think about what I've told you this morning. How in the world could somebody who accomplished all of that think that your minister's task was more difficult than his. I'm sure Dr. Graham had his lighthouses, things that came along and humbled him in his ministry because at the end of his journey, there was humility. After all those accomplishments, there was a sense of humility. I think there's hope for the world in this word. And Lord knows our nation needs humility right now. We've had about all the hubris we can take. And the world needs humility. World leaders clashing and texting against each other and making... Uh, crass comments in the way they're running their countries and the world as if they were children. Humility is a sign not of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Like the CEOs who take their companies from good to great, they aren't weak women and men. They are humble out of their strength. Like Dr. Graham who has affected the world in so many ways. And comes to the end and talks to a little guy like me and says, you know, I think what you're doing is important. Humility is not being a doormat. It's not weakness or self-deprivation. It actually comes out of strength of knowing who you are. There's, there's a word of hope for the world here if the world but would run into its lighthouse. And realize who it is and who it's not. But I also think there's a word of hope for the church, the American church, in this word humility. Jane Peters, who is a member of our church here, uh, she, and I ask her permission if I could say this, she established the David F. Peters Lecture Series at Westminster Canterbury in memory of her dear husband, Dave. And I'm honored to be this year's lecturer uh, in this upcoming November. They've asked me to speak. And my topic for that talk will be, what is the future 
of the mainline Protestant church. I thought I'd tackle something easy. <laughs> but, but you must know after hearing me preach for almost a year and a half now that I spend a fair amount of time thinking about this question. What is the future of the church, the mainline Protestant church in America? And it may be that the American mainline Protestant church has actually come across its own lighthouse. We are being humbled. And here's why. Because our culture, the American culture, even now in the South, it's finally gotten here. Our culture is becoming increasingly secular in its viewpoint. And as a whole, the church is losing members. The church is also, in America, losing, therefore, money. And the church is losing status in the American society that it once enjoyed. Sunday schools are shrinking. And biblical illiteracy is on the rise. And Sunday is now just another Saturday for most people. And Christians are becoming a minority for the first time in our lifetime. Now, all that is happening even here in Richmond, Virginia. And churches are wondering, how can we attract more people to the church? And how can we stay strong and vital? And I've got a lot probably to say about that um, in my own questioning of it, not so much in having an answer, but I, I do think this. It will be humility and not hubris that attracts the world to the church. It will be a church that seeks to serve and not be served that will win the hearts of other people. It will be a church that cares for the world and does not condemn it, but actually loves the world and every single person who is in it, who is a child of God. It will be a church that reflects the very nature of Jesus himself. That will be a church that wins the world. Be careful where you sit, he said. It reflects an understanding of who you are. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them? And yet, you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the lighthouses 
that come along to remind us of who we are and who we are not. Grant us to serve you humbly as your church all the days of our lives. Through Jesus Christ, who humbly came to serve and not be served, we pray. Amen.